heel spot invasion begins. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the pro wrestling edition as we fill the syringe and prepare for injection with another dose of that performance enhancing audio. Yes, the Brian Campbell. In fact, the voice that you hear. This is in fact my show. This is my show. My show. And I am just about ready to tag in to look back at a wild week that was in WWE and beyond. Just 18 days out from WrestleMania 34. But before we prepare the under juice, let me remind you to share your voice in this audio revolution. If you have yet to do that solid and provide that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, now would be the time to do so. Hey, it only takes 60 seconds. And if you only knew the guest list, that Silver King has planned for you on this podcast over the next few weeks. You'll have more than a few reasons to do us that. We know you guys. We know what you want. I mean, come on. You, you, who are we here? You know what's going on here. I also encourage you to check out our good brother, well-dressed Nick Costos, every weeknight beginning at 5 p.m. Eastern on our new 24-7 streaming network, CBS Sports HQ. Heck, you know, Chromecast that to your TV, smartphone, your your smart devices. Get all the handsome Nick you can handle as the rumors still continue that we'll be getting a pre-Mania Greek comeback. But now is that time for me to prepare the way for the bad guy. Oh, yeah, he's no longer from Russia, nor does he bring much love. But he's the Silver King. Adam Silverstein. Hey, now. You know, it's, it, it is your show for now until WWE re-ups with USA Network. Then we get in this corner with Adam Silverstein for one full week. Get Jose Lothario out for that boyhood dream. Hey, Silver King, right off the top. We're going to get into it in the main event. We're going to go deep on it. Heck, we went deep yesterday during Tuesday's impromptu bonus audio But holy crap, can we take one more second to just celebrate the pure, marked-out joy that is the return of Daniel Bryan? Because you know that's the sound going inside of all of us right now. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's ultimate feel spot. I actually lack words to describe how good it felt to find this out. And for those of you that follow us on Twitter and follow what we write on CBS Sports, really what Bryan writes on CBS Sports, you know, we had this story and, and I mean, Brian, we can talk about it briefly a little bit, you know, break the fourth wall behind the scenes. I called you. I said, hey, uh, what's going on? We got something, don't we? And, and you're like, yeah, we do. Um, and we started working on that story, you know, a little bit early. Uh, and listen, I don't know how you felt writing it, but editing it, I was like, is this really happening yeah am i talking to samson or is this really going down right now (laughs) you get that giddiness because it's just such great news and it's like stuff that you thought could happen but we're never really sure there was so much uneasiness and like look here i thought last week we set a record for most dms contributed by our, our listeners but this week it's like nearly doubled so shout out to the to the yes movement to our incredibly loyal and fired up listeners we obviously can't get to everyone's question this week but i just want to let everyone know we we receive them we read them we hear them Shout out to our hardcore regulars, Scott Sanch, Omar Al-Rashid, the great Nick Hill Singh, Blake Molina, Black Sabre Jr. You guys go on and on and on. Like, Adam, these listeners are like our family, and I feel like this week we all sort of joined in on celebrating, you know, the return of the injured prodigal son, Daniel Bryan, to come back into our lives. I mean, more than, you know, the the on-air role. I mean, this was just so much fun to be a part of. If there's any questioning whether the yes movement is real and how many fans Daniel Bryan 
possesses and how important he is to the WWE product. We received so many tweets and DM slides. That BC, we not only are doing a main event this week, we are combining sliding into DMs and the main event. This is the main event. So let's kick it off. Not a DM slide, just the topic at hand. Daniel Bryan, four-time WWE world champion, has been medically cleared to return to the squared circle in WWE. We found out Tuesday, hours before SmackDown Live went on the air, BC. Before we get into the specifics of what happened Tuesday night, let's just discuss the fact that WWE, a couple weeks out from WrestleMania 34, has one of its premier players back in the fold in what seems to be full competition. Yeah, it's just such massive news outside of how good it feels for somebody that just comes across as such an all-around great guy in Daniel Bryan and you know it's story to see him back there. But the timing just feels so ultra special to the idea of adding him to the WrestleMania card. It's just like, man, like these moments are, are really few and far between when they feel this good and for the news to feel this big and just to get a chance to have him back in there. It's like... We walked out that journey with him. That's how WWE sort of set it up. That's how open Daniel Bryan was on the air with WWE and specifically behind the scenes. Every time he did a public interview, he's, you felt like he was saying more than WWE wanted him to. But what that did was set up an even deeper connection with the fans. Like, it's not hyperbole, Adam. Like, let's talk about this. This guy's one of the most over and popular superstars this industry have seen in 20 years. I mean, since the end of the Attitude Era, you have Cena... You have Punk, and you really have Daniel Bryan. Outside of the legends who lingered, like The Rock and all that, but I'm saying in terms of guys who really came up during that run, who else is in that category besides those three names and maybe Roman Reigns? Not where they're natural fan favorites, and I think people forget that John Cena initially, he wasn't pushed like Roman Reigns, made it, forced it into a main eventer by Vince McMahon. I mean, he was in some respects, but he naturally transitioned from low Carter to mid-Carter, who fans got behind with the, I don't even know what you want to call it, the freestyling gangster-type Cena character, into main eventer, spinner belt, you know, world champion Cena, into uh, make-a-wish, goody-two-shoes, you know, American flag-supporting, you know, John Cena. So not so, this version you're saying. You don't like what I'm saying? Well, you can suck my... Not, not that guy, right? Ex exactly. And what, and what we like to see from wrestlers, and one of the reasons we don't like Roman Reigns in terms of his character is how forced it is. John Cena was not forced. Daniel Bryan was not forced. Fans forced Vince McMahon to recognize Daniel Bryan. Fans forced Vince McMahon to recognize CM Punk. And I wrote this on Twitter. I, it was a long tweet, and Nick uh, rightfully lambasted me for exaggerating a little bit at the end. But the crux of, of the tweet that I wrote, I'm going to you know, bring forth here. WWE was in a major hole when they lost CM Punk and Daniel Bryan for different reasons. Basically in consecutive fashion, right, a couple of years ago. They had their two star players, the guys who, even though Vince maybe not didn't want it that way, were the top of the mountain for WWE, the guys that were going to be main eventing either with the titles or without the titles for years. Lost both of them basically at the same time. And I think what you saw Tuesday night and the reaction you've seen from WWE fans is how badly they have wanted someone that they naturally like 
to get behind. Yes, they have AJ Styles, and I think you saw that reaction on, t- oh, on no Tuesday doubt. and just on the internet all day long. And the, the one name I did forget from those names of guys that were that over is obviously Brock Lesnar, but your point kind of summed it up. This was none of those guys were as pure of a baby face as Daniel Bryan is. I mean, Cena became a pure baby face, but nobody as pure where the fans feel like they were invested in his success like they were the reason part of you know part of the reason why he was able to get to that level no one really has that that legacy has that that theme to their career like a guy like Reigns how are you not going to push him right but Brian being that that just that ultimate underdog that's why this moment felt so special that's why Adam when he opened Smackdown Live and gave that speech where he had legit tears getting emotional, talking about, and and by the way, kudos to WWE for working this real-life angle into the storyline, but talking about Brie Bella being the voice in his his ear and in his corner, pushing him on even when he didn't have strength. How do you not, you know, how how is the underjuice not flowing when you hear that? Because it's so real, and... You know, just a little commentary on Brie. A lot of wives could have been the complete opposite, especially somebody in the business could have been like, no, this is crazy. This business is crazy. I mean, we lived through Benoit. Don't get back out there. I know that's a horrible thing to well, say, and I'm not related. I, I just, but... re- really, really quick, I just think because she's in the business is why she had that mindset, because they met wrestling. She knows how important it is to him. It's not like it's one of those wives, not, not against these wives, but that marry a wrestler. She's a wrestler who married a wrestler, and I You're think right. that is why this situation was so unique. And it's, and it's great, and that and, and, I, and now we transition to SmackDown because, Adam, I don't think the crowd fully— and this is sort of what Nick was saying during your, your, your argument on Twitter. I don't think the crowd fully gave the moment what it deserved, but I know I received that moment at home, Daniel Bryan crying, Daniel Bryan explaining the road to get back here, really feeling this was one of the most special promos I'd seen in some time on WWE. I'll say this. The crowd, I thought, because it's the same crowd, I believe. It was in Dallas back-to-back nights for Raw and SmackDown. I thought the crowd was very good on Monday. Um, that said, the crowd did a couple things Monday we'll talk about later that, you know, we question as well. Um, but no, this was not a Brooklyn crowd. This was not a Chicago crowd. This was not a Los Angeles crowd that is going to be super insanely hyped. And it's, def- it's certainly not a Seattle crowd where he retired in front of his hometown and then he you know, could have potentially come back in Seattle or something like that. So was the situation perfect? No, but I don't really know what you want them to do. They chanted yes, then they stopped to listen to him. Then they chanted yes when he asked them to. Like, they did their job. I, I, I don't know what happened before the show began. They might have been chanting yes for 20 minutes, waiting for the show to start, and then be worn out by the time Daniel Bryan actually showed up. Like, we just don't necessarily know the dynamics of that. I, I harbor no resentment toward the crowd. I thought they did a perfectly fine job. I thought Daniel Bryan's promo was incredible. And the one thing that can be said about him, he's always been good on the mic. But ever since he's been out of wrestling, and that's been his only career in WWE, he's gotten extremely good. He might be, you don't want to say, hey, taking two years off was good for his character and his career, but it might have been. He might have figured out a way to develop his character and his speaking ability even better than it was when he went away. I think that's that's certainly a fair point. And it's it's interesting now that, He's going to do less physically, we assume. We talked about that a lot on the bonus episode yesterday, that he, that he should and probably will alter his style to a certain degree. But improving that much on the mic now makes him such a more well-rounded superstar. It makes him so much more valuable in the long run. So we did talk about that. But, I mean, let's go into last night a little bit, Tuesday night. So, I mean, we know what happened during the show. We're not going to go repeat everything. Took an apron bomb from Kevin Owens. He delivered those drop kicks, missile drop kicks into the corner basically landing on his shoulders and neck, and he suplexed Sami Zayn onto his neck as well. So how careful is this guy going to be? Like, 
I'll be honest, I was cringing the entire time. Just, is this it? Like, and I don't know when that's going to get out of my head. But I didn't see any trepidation on his part Tuesday. Uh, it almost looked like he la- he purposely landed differently on those corner drop kicks than I've ever seen yes, it before. It at, at, at first, it looked like it was a safer landing. Then you watch it closely, it looks like almost a more dangerous landing since he's doing an extra rotation on his flip. But all in all, look, the fact that WWE threw him right back into the fire. Okay, so the, the, we put to bed the opening segment, which is all about emotions. Now we talk about the closing segment, right, where he fires Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, and he gets physically involved. This is what... You and I had traded some Slack uh, DMs ahead of time saying, man, wouldn't it be great if Kevin Owens put hands on him and they really went right back into it? I didn't think they would do it. They did, and it worked so good to the point that that's, that segment right there is one of my favorite, that I, certainly on SmackDown, that I've seen in forever. But on WWE TV the last couple of years, I think that emotionally moved me more than any I'd seen in a while. And of course it did, right? The setup of him coming back, but the fact that he was so willing and they were so willing to put him back to, not just to have a victory lap of drop kicks on these guys, but Adam to go the distance and get brutally beat down. I mean, they the way they set up that camera angle on that Huluva kick that looks stiff. And then of course, no way would I have believed that diabolical, you know, crazy man KO would have thrown him neck first onto the apron and that great power bomb that he always does to people. Which when he does, when KO can get away from the comedic side and go into the crazy serial killer type vibe and do that. That's when you know you have a winner. That's when I don't care what the match is at WrestleMania, what the stipulations, how they, I just want to see it. I want to see it now. I am right where I need to be. Did, did you experience though the same feeling that I did where, where not, not so much the apron bomb cause that's his back and whatever, but he did those drop kicks and I was like, Oh, like, like I just, every single time it made me think like, Oh man, that's dangerous. Oh yeah, should he, well the punch should he be doing that? The first punch he took, I think it was from Zane. Brian took a like more exaggerated bump than I thought he needed to, but look, that's his way of of going all in right off the bat and saying, "Look, I am back. I'm not soft pedaling this. I don't want you to expect me to soft pedal it, and I'm not." So, yeah, I I was a little bit leery cringe, but I almost knowing him, you got to kind of expect that though. So, before we get into the angle as it exists right now, seemingly leading into WrestleMania, let me ask you this question. Would you have made this announcement in 2020 vision? Would you have made this announcement before SmackDown or would you have let that segment play out on SmackDown and either made it today, which is Wednesday when we tape this show or even next Tuesday before SmackDown begins? That's what that's the key what would question. you have done? Yeah, that is the key question. And, and just to let, let you know, we, we received at least like five different DMs on that exact same thing. People all over the board, and they should be, because look, after watching the way that segment closed, naturally, of course, as a fan of entertainment, it would have been so much better for us not to know. For SmackDown to have started differently, but have that same ending scenario, and when you're like, are they going to put hands on him? Oh my god, they knocked him down? Okay, well, does Brian taking one bump mean he's back, or does that just mean whatever? And then, when it got to the level of the power bomb on the apron, which, by the way, just to let you know, KO did soft landing on that. He yeah. didn't do the raise him up like he normally does, but still, it had an impact, and we would have gone nuts. We would have gone nuts, because we knew that would mean he's back, and the shock value which is the same shock value of Vince McMahon getting headbutted and getting bust open, by the way. Like, that same, like, what? Like, this just escalated quickly type of thing. Of course it would have been better. But, Adam, there has to be a reason why they didn't. So let's get into that. Why wouldn't they have done that? You could say TV ratings. By announcing it themselves during the day, in a lot of ways it could be them 
putting the onus on people making SmackDown now a must-see thing. Do you think there's any credence to the idea that they also wanted to control the, the, the timing and the platform of how the news got out? Did they fear that it would have leaked in the, you know, six hours before then? Potentially, I will tell you, you know, we don't try to be dirt sheet insiders here, right, on in this corner, but I did find out through a source that WWE has known he's been cleared for a week. So it is not the f- case where he just found out Monday and they ran the angle for Tuesday. I think it's pretty obvious, BC, that WWE was leaning towards this angle of Daniel Bryan returning to the ring. We've been discussing it for months. And I'll, I'll bring the DM slide in here while we're talking on the subject. What, what, do you, what did it, you just say? Kentucky Long Rifle, go ahead. Coming in from uh, El Nani, who, who, by the way, tweets us a lot, but he doesn't always tweet DM slides. So we wanted to make sure he gets on the show at Nani, E-G-U-I-A-4-1-1. He said, does this angle now forgive the mess that has been SmackDown for about the last year? He thinks it has. And BC... I know your power is a positivity. So before you get into it, I'm going to give the answer first on this one. No. Go ahead. I'm going to go back in here and kill SmackDown. No, it, it didn't because I'm sorry. Outside of the two Daniel Bryan moments on Tuesday, it wasn't an awful episode. But once again, Adam, for like the ninth straight week, it was just vanilla when we are 18 days out from WrestleMania. Like what? Tell me. Name one off the top of your head. Name one important thing between in between the two Daniel Bryan segments that affects WrestleMania that actually happened. And don't say we have a triple threat now for the U.S. title because we knew that. Did anything happen on the show? Nothing. Nothing. Do you know how quickly I, I started the show an hour late? Do you know how easy it was to fast forward this week? Nothing happened. So, no, it doesn't fix it altogether. It makes me really happy, of course. And it makes me not hold a grudge against them. But, man, like, come on. I don't want to make this all about hashtag road dog, but he's, this is how I'm starting to feel when I'm watching it. You know what helped me prior to the rehab was snorting ambient. I just feel like that might be a good option to get through the show. I mean, come on. That was too Maybe far. that. that maybe that. Far. Maybe some talking to Samson before we watch SmackDown. I mean, there's got to be something there that can improve the quality of watching this show, it's clear that WWE knew they were going to clear him, like, in some way. Maybe they didn't have definitive proof, but they definitely saw enough tests, enough medicals, where basically they just said, hey, at some point before we actually clear you, Maroon's going to have to sign off on it. Dr. Maroon, he's their lead medical doctor, um, or lead medical, whatever they call him, examiner. Um, He's going to have to sign off on it, but they've known. So they had to choose the exact right time to bring this up. Now, BC, we can slide into another DM here. We're getting a little off topic, but it goes into this. Do you believe that they chose this day and this SmackDown because of the AAF, what is it, the All-America Football Alliance announcement that came out earlier Tuesday? We have at Dusty Allen asking us that very question. At It's Dusty Allen. At one, It's Dusty Allen. One of our hardest of hardcores there. That's a very interesting question, which which we said, you know, why the announcement? Why then? Because I think this was pretty big news Tuesday morning, hours before the Daniel Bryan announcement. It was that Charlie Ebersol, the director of the This Was the XFL ESPN 30 for 30 doc, son of Dick Ebersol, longtime cohort of Vince McMahon from NBC Sports, Saturday Night's main event. Oh, you know, best friends if you watch that XFL doc. They are going to come forward with their own football league, Adam, on CBS. Hey, how about that? One week after Super Bowl 2019, which is one full year before Vince's refurbished XFL is supposed to hit the airwaves. This was really interesting. That's a smart question here from Dusty Allen. Did they get ahead of the news? 
it comes down to this, Adam. It comes down to what's the truth in this news. Because we all assumed VKM and the Ebersols were like bros for life. Watch the end of that 30 for 30. They're talking about starting a football league together. But this Charlie Ebersol thing felt like like a, a Bischoffian, you know, Monday Night Wars WCW thing. So is it comes down to this. Did they? Is this a double cross turn against Vince? And the only way for him to to get that out of the news cycle was to was to put forth Daniel Bryan. If it is, I actually would believe this was a strategic move from them. I know you can counter that and say, "Look, it's Tuesday before SmackDown. We know Shane wasn't going to be there. We know Daniel Bryan was coming back. You know, it, it makes sense. It does." But unless, it, I don't know, it, it's such a gray area. The only other thing I could say, is there any chance we are later going to find out about the about the uh, football league this? You all bought it! You all bought it! Hook, line, and sinker! You all bought it! Was it... Is Vince the high, like the higher power in this? Is is Vince good? Is it going to be you know it's me Austin all the time? Is Vince going to join forces with his friends the Ebersols and create some some dual league? Because it's weird, Adam. The whole announcement was really weird. So I think there's a couple things to unpack. First is that when the XFL announcement came down, they didn't really have anything. They had a logo and they had Vince McMahon in front of a green screen talking about the XFL. I think they might have named one or two hires that they have. They also have a Twitter account and a website. There's nothing happening with the XFL. They haven't tweeted since the day after the Super Bowl, day of the Super Bowl, and we haven't heard a damn thing about it. Like, really, any developments whatsoever, and you would think they would have wanted to keep that news cycle going. The the Twitter account hasn't tweeted, by the way, since Super Bowl Sunday. I just said that. You did? Yeah. (laughs) That's okay. I Um, I was waiting to drop that in. Meanwhile, yeah, all right, go ahead. It's all good, it's all good. Um, so look, we mentioned this when we did the extended podcast, when the XFL thing was announced, there's a chance this is, I don't want to call it a bluff, but a contractual money motivated move where Vince said, Hey, look, we have TV negotiations coming up. We want to use first right of refusal for a possible football league as a way to get an extra $50 million, you know, out of whatever contract we want to sign. I think that's possible. Yeah, that was a big th- Conrad Thompson theory that he was pushing online, and, and it, oh, it, was he? Okay. it at least made it interesting. I, I read it and said, you know, that I, I guess there's something to that because it felt weird, like you said, that Vince would make such a big announcement and have no answers. In fact, if you remember that speech, he was like, we're going to be looking to the media to, to give us some good ideas. Like, what? Vince, Vince going to the media? What, are you kidding me? Right, exactly. And then on top of that, I don't think that the Ebersol family – would get into a football business, and and Charlie Ebersol said on this press conference, he's been contemplating this for three years, okay, in some form or fashion, been working on it. So I don't think they're going to be doing something for three years, do the XFL doc with Vince sitting next to Dick with Charlie behind the camera, and Vince either not know about it, be completely blindsided by it, or not be tangentially involved in some way. I am guessing that Vince McMahon gets some type of ownership stake, either merges the XFL somehow or, or transfers the trademarks or just keeps the trademarks for himself and, and that league starts, I think there's a better chance than not that the XFL now never starts, especially considering how much NFL player and executive backing there is former on both counts for this AAF league, which is almost seeming to me like the NFL is somewhat aware of it 
and it might end up being somewhat of a feeder system for the league uh, well, in the in the future. So there's the other conspiracy of this, and, and and I hear rumblings on the inside about this that when Vince made that announcement, the NFL took it seriously, and there's some NFL connections in this Ebersol league, right? In, in terms of the like the uh, the management they brought in, in terms of the backing financially, you, you wonder if if the NFL is sort of trying to set that that up to block out Vince. But it, it's all an interesting situation. And so going back well, to. So Dun- Sorry, BC. So on that note, though, I want to bring it back to Daniel Bryan here because this is kind of what I, what I was thinking when I when I proposed to you earlier. Maybe what if they did an announcement that didn't announce it this week and instead announced it next week after all this transpired? If Vince did not know, let's just say he didn't. I wouldn't have been surprised if the angle was booked exactly the same way for SmackDown, with the exception of the return announcement yes. that they were going to hold for next week, and then Vince said, "Hey, you know what?" Let's jump in front of the news cycle and get that here. So it's one of two things, in my opinion. Yeah, Either he that's did not know. Move. That's a Vince move to do that, to jump in and change the yeah. narrative. That's a total yeah. Vince move. So, so I think Dusty Allen's onto something there. I'd be more apt to believe that. Exactly. So either he didn't know and then made it happen, or he did know. And it was always planned in the first place. All right, let's so, go through lightning round and close out the Daniel Bryan conversation. Because a lot of people had some interesting questions. I want to hit up the one from my guy, D Midi 78 The Midi brand is back, Adam. I want to ask you this. He says, so you know how Vince already has next year's WrestleMania card in his pocket? What are the odds that you, Silver King, have that Vince might try to do Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns as next year's main event? Midi out with the emoji of the just too sweet. So take that, Adam, because Midi is back, all right? So good question. I'll give him credit for it this week. I don't think that'll happen, mostly because I don't think Daniel Bryan will be wrestling enough, at least initially, and I may very well be wrong on this. So I'm going to get out ahead of myself on this prediction and say I may be wrong, where they are going to feel comfortable in year one of his return, giving him either the WWE title or putting him in such an important spot in WrestleMania. I think what you're going to see with Daniel Bryan is a lot of feuds and a lot of matches that we've wanted for years right away in the first two years AJ Styles Nakamura The Miz you want to talk about WrestleMania 35 match honestly it should not be anything else than Daniel Bryan against The Miz even unless, that match well, is, unless we see it at SummerSlam I mean it's, it could be so good that we see it but at I don't want right? but I don't want that wasted at SummerSlam I want them to be separated from brands for a year and then they somehow get them together at Survivor Series something happens and they continue it from there that is the feud Like, we can talk AJ Styles, we can talk Nakamura, Cena, Reigns, Rollins, Balor. Those are all matches with Daniel Bryan that we want to happen. The number one match, incredibly, is Daniel Bryan in the Miz. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. To answer that question on my side, I think that you have bigger, I don't say bigger business, but different business for Reigns. If if we assume that he's going to continue to main event WrestleMania for the next few years, probably you're going to see women slide in there at least one time, right? You never know some celebrity, somebody coming back, a punk coming back could also slide in there. Well, Reigns punk one day. Wow. But I'm just saying I'd be more apt to guess Reigns Cena next year, Reigns Styles than anything else. But on this sort of same train of thought in terms of Daniel Bryan's workload. Let's get into the question from Nick Flynn at nflynn underscore 17. So exciting for Daniel Bryan to finally be cleared, but is it too little too late? His contract is rumored to be up in September. Do you think he still jumps off the WWE ship and climbs aboard the SS Revolution? Adam, this slides into more of what you were saying from the beginning about the revolution not being real and me sort of saying the revolution would need a Daniel Bryan or a Punk Anything more than a one-off Jericho to be real. Yes, they would. This announcement doesn't does not lead me to believe he's jumping to the revolution by any means because you know, he made himself in WWE. Bree is a big part of WWE with Total Bellas. There's so many reasons on and on. 
Unless, Adam, unless this is WWE kind of trying to keep Daniel Bryan happy and then saying to him, okay, Daniel, that was great. WrestleMania was great. You came back. Yeah, we got a match for you in SummerSlam. But for the rest of the time, dude, why don't you just stick being the, uh, you know, the SmackDown GM and we'll keep doing, you know, go back to business as usual. That would be the only scenario where when it comes September and DB goes, well, I wrestled twice, but I don't really have anything else on the books. And I feel like I should be at every pay-per-view getting physical in some form. I think that's the only way it would create that divide where he's like, I still have it. I want to bring it every week. Mr. Blutarski, do you know the chances of Daniel Bryan not re-signing with WWE? Zero point zero. There is no scenario at this point now that he has been cleared to return that he does not re-sign with WWE on a multi-year contract. It does not matter if they don't want him to wrestle all the time. He's already said in interviews he doesn't expect or want to wrestle all, all the time. Do you think this guy is going to be wrestling 200 dates a year on house show circuits No, now? No, not no that. You can't way. go to that because we know he's not going to do that. But you have to be acknowledged. You have to at least acknowledge the fact of this. It's an addiction, right? These guys getting out there, it's their art form. That's, their, that's how they, they expro- express themselves. If there's any pullback, Adam, where they're saying, hey, one or two a year is fine. And he's like, no, no, you know, 20 to 30 is where I want to be. No, no, listen. That's he hasn't, all. I'm saying he it's, hasn't, it's on this. It's a button that could be pressed, right? It's, it's an option out there. That's all I'm saying. He hasn't wrestled in, what, almost three years, okay? If, BC, if let's say you love beer, right, and you, didn't have, you haven't drank a beer in three years, not for alcoholic reasons, you just haven't had one, and someone said, hey, you're going to start drinking beer again, but you can have 20 a year. Are you going to have those 20 beers? Or are you going to say, nah, I need to have 200? No, no, you're not. You're going to have 20 beers, and you're going to have the best craft beer you can possibly have uh, rather than drinking Natty Ice, nat, natty ice out, out in Japan, in look, Tokyo. It's not you know, likely, but, but just don't, don't look past him knowing his value and him having that, wanting to do it. So, look, if he goes to the revolution, he knows he can come back. It's not like they're going to say, no, you're, you're excommunicated. So maybe in his mind he thinks, I want to fight Jericho uh, you know, in ROH. I want to fight really Punk think, here. Sorry, I want to fight you, Kenny Omega here. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just saying you can't do the 0.0 on this. They're still going to have to keep him happy enough to stay there. Do you really think this guy waited three years pestering Vince McMahon and WWE's doctors to not return to wrestle in WWE a couple months away from possibly the end of his contract? There is 0.0 market zero, dude. There is no chance that Daniel Bryan winds up outside of WWE at the end of this contract. Market zero! Uh, yeah, and we can go back and forth on it, but let's see what the future brings. Not 0.0, let's say 15% chance he goes to the revolution. I don't accept that. All right, one more DM slide on the Daniel Bryan topic from Tristan Atliano at Atliano underscore Tristan. BC, do we have a top five WrestleMania on paper with the card as it currently stands? WWE is giving us everything we want this year, and it's really the first time that they've done that at a WrestleMania in a long time. You know, he referenced that it was the first time they'd done it since the Yes Movement, which would be WrestleMania 30, which is part of what makes Daniel Bryan coming back this year so special, a return to the Superdome in New Orleans, which was his mountaintop. Full disclosure, you sort of hit me up with this angle yesterday, Adam, and said, you know, do we have a case here for this to be, on paper, one of the best ever? I slow-played it. I said I wanted to do some research. Yes, I think there is that potential the more you look at it, because I don't... I don't soft sell what Lesnar Reigns could be, by the way. You know, Styles Nakamura, so good on paper. Rousey Factor, Asuka Charlotte, and then you sprinkle Daniel Bryan on top of that. 
yeah, this does have some potential. And it's not like other cards in recent years didn't have that potential, but I think this one, if they play it right, if they if they do what they did at 30, Adam, which is this, playing to the smarks, right? Play, like giving the people what they want. If they do that, this really could be a special one. WWE often tries to play away from smarks because they think they know better, but what they forget is the smarks are in the crowd, right? That's who's paying thousands, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dollars to get the premium seats, to be on camera, to be in and around the ring at WrestleMania. And if fans watching at home see those people going nuts, they're going to go nuts in kind. You take your reaction from what you see other fans do on TV or in the arena around you. And if you're if, if the people around you are happy, you're going to be happy. You're not going to be sitting there like, what are they doing with this when every other person around you is going absolutely nuts? So by building a card like this, giving us Nakamura, AJ Styles, Reigns, Lesnar, and I know some people don't want that to be the main event. You're kidding yourself if A, you don't think it's going to be the main event, or B, you don't think it should be the main event because it's going to be an awesome match whether you like Roman Reigns or not. You're getting Ronda Rousey, Daniel Bryan. You're getting Miz, Balor, and, uh, and Rollins which I think people are completely overlooking as a match that could legitimately steal the show. The women's matches are going to be great too. I mean, I think the card's better than last year already, no doubt about it. We still have that SmackDown likely triple threat match with three of the best tag teams in the world in it. We still have potentially John Cena and The Undertaker being added to the card. This is loaded. I've never been more excited for WrestleMania, and that's with not loving the main event. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously it has to deliver, but but at the very least, am I more excited heading into this than I was of any sense thirty for sure? And and I think that it really does have sick potential. We'll see how it goes. So that was an extended DM sliding edition, first part of the main event, I should say. Let's move on to the second part of the main event because BC, this was a week loaded with a lot of really it's good great, wrestling great stuff. Week. And you can say that this, what I'm about to bring up in the second part of this main event, is the pinnacle of professional wrestling. Matt Hardy defeats Bray Wyatt, BC, in the ultimate deletion. What did you think about what transpired Monday night on Raw? Pinnacle of pro wrestling. Where are you going with that there? I thought you were sort of trying to be uh, trying to be funny and, uh, and sort of take a shot at it. it. I loved it. I loved it. Look, they, it worked, okay? In the end, it worked. Uh, it had a... It was in a tough spot because... You know, ownership of this had been transferred, right? It came to life in TNA because they let Matt be Matt. And they had some really smart people, Jeremy Borash, Billy Corgan around it, making this happen. And the fear that they, was that they were going to bastardize it on the WWE product, of course. So that's what I was judging it against most. Is it uh, respectable and accurate to the original vision? And did it also potentially advance the original vision? And I have to say, Adam, it, it did on both. So that was a slam dunk. And then the third part is, was it entertaining? Now, this is always going to be the type of wrestling entertainment that is naturally going to have its critics and people that hate it. And we got, you know, DM slides from Len Biggs, Len Anderson, from others who were who were just like, look, this is, you know, this is horrible. This is trash. This is, really? uh, this wow. is you know, are, are they trying to lose subscribers for mania, says Len Biggs. And I, res I still respect that. But I think there's a place for this type of stuff in wrestling and i think what we saw this week was arguably as good as it gets in that category and in that genre i don't think it was better than the best that we've seen of tna broken matt hardy but let's also remember we nostalgically love that but that was never perfect there were parts of of those episodes and though and carrying on that either went too far that were too campy but i felt they really balanced the comedy with the campiness with the faux horror pretty darn well and if your only judge of this, Adam, is entertainment, 
it was a big win. And if you're a harsher judge like I was to the consistency and quality of the product, I think it was also a win. So I wasn't being sarcastic when I said Pinnacle of Pro Wrestling because I think when you take the elements of fantasy and the the suspension of disbelief that you need to have in wrestling, that's what this delivered. It filled, filled that feel spot for me. So do you want me to start with what I hated or what I loved about this? Your choice. Oh, well, yeah, there's something you love. The the the, uh, the the Black Cloud himself, the Silver Steam, give me what you like right off the top. Let's, let's, let's do that. Okay. I loved the entire thing. That That's what I loved, okay? I think, yes, it was a replication of the TNA, you know, uh, final deletion, right? Except it didn't go far enough, which makes me believe they're actually willing to go back to it, right? You didn't have a finish to the match that was great. In fact, it was rather boring. The stuff with Senior Benjamin and Jeff Hardy, Brother Nero, that was great, but the simple, you know, finisher, twist of fate, and he pins him, eh. Like, it was, a, it was a letdown to what was otherwise a really fantastic presentation. At BC, one thing you mentioned to me that you were concerned about was that the quality was going to be too good in terms of the production. I thought that was insane, and hopefully after you watched it, you agreed with me because I thought the improved production quality made it even that much better of a segment. Well, it didn't what, ruin it, but I think that the whole point of that is part of the charm of what made it so good was the fact that you knew when Corgan and them filmed it, it was like two cameras and a five-man team, and that was sort of the Blair Witch side of what made it fun. I really don't know that it was much more than that for WWE. I think it was better cameras, you know, 4K cameras and better sound. It was just that much better. There were still a lot of shots there that were very campy, dark, the stuff in the Dome of Deletion, you know, with the, the lawnmower and the wheelchair, like... Listen, it was almost perfect. And for me to say that about something like this is very out of character for me. And for that reason, I'm going to tell you the things I hated about it. But they're not many. The thing I hated the most had nothing to do with Matt Hardy. It had to do with Michael Cole and the way he introduced this match. Welcome back to Monday Night Raw, the ultimate deletion. What we are about to show you is so different, obnoxious, surreal. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Obnoxious? Oh, this is the culmination of the Great War. This is the ultimate deletion. I'm sorry for what you're about to watch. So I don't hate Michael Cole like other people do, but to completely no-sell and basically tell your viewers what you're about to see is crap, I'm sorry that you have to watch it, whether that came from McMahon or not, that's awful because what they presented was extremely good. And even if you're a fan who was 50-50 going in, your lead announcer basically just told you going in, hey, you shouldn't like what you're about to see. No, true, true. There's something that was weird and off about that, but if you saw Matt Hardy's follow-up tweet, it, it makes makes you wonder if there's an angle there. Not that I think there should be or that it would make a ton of sense. Not that we're going to go back to heel Michael Cole, but it felt like that was planned and the way they had Graves you know, instantly react to it. It didn't feel like some of these Graves, Jonathan Coachman on-air interactions, which actually feel like they're kind of, you know, not sticking to script, kind of calling each other out for being ridiculous. Uh, it, it got a lot of pub, but I just took it as part of the overall way that they're going to present this, and we don't know where it's going. So I have an incomplete... But why wouldn't you, but BC, why wouldn't you sell this as, this is a really strange, weird thing that we experienced, and we're going to show it to you in full and and make what you want of it, as opposed to hey, we're sorry for what we're about to show you. It's obnoxious. That's why I think that it's incomplete, and we have to see where this angle is going. Because like I mentioned off the top, you're going to have people that automatically are going to hate this and say wrestling is 
fake MMA in a way. So if it's fake MMA, why are we in a forest hitting each other with branches and having people reincarnated? So, you know, maybe it was their way of just sort of putting the disclaimer out there, like not every one of us in, in kayfabe are into this, but here you go. So I was okay with but that. Why do that? But why would you saddle it with that? And say, hey, we're not totally into this product, but here, we're going to give it to you in the main See, event of I Raw didn't for receive minutes. it like that, though. I know everyone else did. I didn't receive it as, oh, here's Cole poo-pooing on TNA, you know, or, or, or whatever, or, or, or crap. I, like, look, when the Ultimate Deletion, or I'm sorry, the original TNA versions of this uh, final deletion were so good that WWE modeled it. Let's not forget that WWE came out with the Wyatts versus New Day in, like, a North Carolina swap match, and it wasn't that bad for what it was. So WWE has liked this. I don't look at this as, as the way that other people are receiving it. Really, I think there's an angle here, and I think they're just trying to show that, like, we're we're straight-laced wrestling announcers, and this is a little bit weird, so we're going to toss to this now. And guess what? It is weird, and it's supposed to be weird. And and there were very little things I didn't like about it, like the, like the classical music that came when uh, when Bray Wyatt's doing that spider walk. Little things like that, I was like, well, that's kind of lame. But all in, like, maybe... Really? Oh, man, I love that. Like, maybe I would have liked it to be a little bit more funny. And, and tongue in cheek, like it was in TNA. There was like, like little tidbit things I could have picked at it, but like I said, overall, I was not only entertained, but I like where this could go. And that's something you just said, Adam. I feel like they teased the characters of the broken universe, but didn't really, you know, flesh them out. I mean, I didn't get why Brother Nero was there, for example, but even that is just a little tease of where this could go. That I hope this becomes a regular recurring thing. I don't want a hardy house hardy championship belt but i want a somewhat regular challenge the next opponent and and go you know and, and do this type of thing by the way i thought Rebby playing bray Wyatt's theme on the piano was fantastic and something that they should maybe even record and i don't know what they're going to do with bray Wyatt. that's a topic we can discuss but use in some way that version of his theme was fantastic um the other part i didn't like and you kind of brought it up again most of my problems are with wwe not with matt hardy or anything he did but they had all these vignettes, right, that they that they put on YouTube. They had like eight of them, and they were all really good, and they were, yes, a lot of them were very similar to the TNA versions, and they aired a couple even different ones on Raw leading up to it. But they didn't even mention the match for the first hour of Raw. They could have aired one or two vignettes then. And if you have all these vignettes, and, and I know WrestleMania is coming up and you wanted to get this out of the way, and I'm okay with that, but why not tape it earlier a couple weeks ago and air these vignettes over Raw the last two weeks and introduce us to House of Hardy and the entire compound and everything that's going on instead of necessitating, you know, those those bars uh, underneath. This is the Lake of Deletion. This is the Dome of Deletion, you know, or sorry, Lake of Reincarnation, I meant. Instead of doing that, they could have taught us about all of this, shown us who the characters are over two weeks. I don't like that it was rushed. I think they rushed Well, they rushed the everything. Matt, they rushed well, everything, they, though. Come on. They, but No, but this is the thing. They rushed Woken Matt Hardy into existence, then let it play out for too long in the middle and then rushed this match into existence. So instead of doing that, had they just planned it a little bit better, we would have seen a fully formulated storyline that would have really engrossed us into it. So I didn't like that. And the only other thing is, and this is the next topic that we should discuss, the Lake of Reincarnation, I really wanted to see it used. Like, it would have been cool to see Mako in there, come back out as Matt Hardy 2.0, go back in, come out as Woken again, Bray to go in as Husky Harris or IRS. That would have been really cool. But BC, let's talk about the end of the match, right? They throw Bray Wyatt into the Lake of Reincarnation, and he doesn't come back out. What do you think is going to happen here? Do you think? I'm going to give you some options. 
Well, no, he's don't, don't take back? the answer out of my okay. mouth, all right? Go ahead. What do, Go ahead. What do Go ahead. I think is going to happen? Uh, you know, he tweeted, uh, what, I am deleted? Or no, he tweeted goodbye, essentially, right? Is that essentially what he Correct. tweeted? Um, it, it, look, he needs some type of shakeup. I don't think you need to redefine his character completely, but he needs some type of shakeup, and I think we're going to get that here. I think this feud is going to continue, but I think it, the story is going to have – Bray joining the side of the Wyatts. Like, maybe he comes out of that Lake of Reincarnation, you know, possessed. I, I don't see them going back to the Husky Harris flashback, which we would all love just for nostalgia purposes. But I think that this aligns the two together, which I think makes a lot of sense. I agree. That's actually what was going to be one of the suggestions I gave you. It was, A, do they just completely repackage him, take him away for six to nine months, give him a new character, just something totally different. That's one. Or two, do you put him, do you break him? and have him be part of this universe with Matt Hardy. And I honestly don't see why you don't. You let him be a follower for the first time. And eventually, over six to nine months, you build up a storyline where he breaks away again, becomes a leader, a leader, and maybe does defeat Matt, you know, in Ultimate Deletion 2. And then you go the full length. You know, you, you have him put Matt in the Lake of Reincarnation and, and so on and so forth. I think there's a big story to be told here. And I'm a little concerned that WWE is going to just go away from it. And not revisit the compound and just have Matt be this character and, and kind of revert back to white. Look, No, come on. So okay, I got to call you out. You started off by saying you liked it. Then you're laying into all the things you don't like it. Now you're laying into things all, all that you're fearful about. We wanted this. We got it. Let's enjoy it. Well, no, but uh, what I'm trying to make clear is, is I loved what they did. I loved what Matt Hardy did, the storyline they told. And if Jeremy Borash was involved, the way he helped, you know, bring this to fruition. Fantastic. My concerns all rest with WWE production and storytelling. And what I don't, and because of Michael Cole and how he introduced the match, it makes me feel, oh, they really didn't believe in this. And I don't think that's a, well, a wrong look, feeling I to have. I think at worst, it was them publicly hedging their bets and saying, we don't know how this is going to be received. We don't know if, if people are, if, you know, sponsors and everybody else is going to be like, get me away from this. But I don't even know if I could believe that because we watched Randy Orton burn down Bray Wyatt's prayer shack just a year ago. And we watched spiders and worms show up on the ring during WrestleMania. So I don't know if I believe that at all. It's a, do you know how much of a victory it is that they did justice to the TNA thing? We didn't McMahon this in, in the McDonald's microwave sense and completely like add new characters that are sellable. They let Rebby come on the screen, Senor Benjamin, uh, that flying thing. What is that? Vanguard One. I mean, they... Vanguard One, King Maxwell, Scarsguard was there. We saw uh, it all. Giraffe, I forgot the giraffe's name. So yeah. I think we just have to celebrate that and just see where they go with it. I think, like I said, the best part was they have left the door open for this to continue. This did not feel like a one-off by any means. And you know, I kind of wish this is going to continue at WrestleMania, but the card's so loaded, you don't need it to. So maybe this was the best way they could have handled it. Quick bonus DM slide. We'll get off this topic very quickly. But Crossface Charlie at Crossface Chuck. He tweets us all the time. Longtime listener, first time DM slider. BC, where do you think the ultimate deletion succeeded? If you believe it did, which we do, where House of Horrors failed so badly. And he says, thanks. I'll hang up and listen to your answer. Shout out there on the uh, on the Francesa first time, long time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was obviously way better than that. Just horrific House of Horrors. And this is what it comes down to. The House of Horrors wasn't campy and funny and cheesy enough and it wasn't presented to be and it didn't feel like it had an identity and I think what always held together the TNA run with the with the broken mat so much was that that, that underlying comedic part of it he had was playing such a brilliant character and even when it got dark and by the way let's not forget when when DK that faction was feuding with him and he had 
Rosemary and Crazy Steve stealing his kid, it got a little dark and faux horror, but they always held it together by the underlying comedy. And I'm sorry, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton are not comedic. And the only thing comedic was how much we made fun of that. The fact that it made no sense in, in WWE land to be fighting in someone's kitchen and have a, a refrigerator fall on them. Like, it just wasn't written enough where that was held together. And I don't know why... Why are we so willing to accept it from Matt? Because he's just more playful and and eccentric. And TNA went the extra distance to really lay out, one, why he would become broken, and two, who these other characters are and what their role is. And I think that the other one was too WWE for them to pull it off. It was their version of it, but, you know, it was an imitation in the end. They also forced the match to finish in a ring. They had to take a limo or a car to drive all the way, and then it's the time between that. It just didn't necessarily make sense. I do think, though, after watching it, that at the time we may have been too hard on House of Horrors, too hard, which I don't think we had the podcast at the time, on New Day Wyatt family, you know, that situation. That was fine. New Day Wyatt family was fine, but the House of Horrors is another topic altogether. Yeah, I, I just, I think looking back on it, we, I, or at least I, felt like I may have criticized House of Horrors a little too much because there were parts of it that were at least redeemable when you say, well, why did you like this and you didn't like this? No. But everything that you said, BC, no, no, everything you said is correct. But what's I'm redeemable saying, about that? It made no sense. They just, because they tried something. And ultimately, we want them to be creative and try different things. We like this because we knew this already worked. That's they, That was something new, and they didn't know that that was already going to work. They said, hey, let's give this a shot and see it now. Was it, did they screw it up? Absolutely. Did they screw up Bray Wyatt's entire push holding the WWE title going into WrestleMania? So on and so forth. We've gone over this ad nauseum. Yes, they screwed up, but WWE screws everything up. So we're saying, hey, conceptually, did they try to do something? Yeah. Did they succeed? No. Last thing before we move on to our final part of our main event here, I do find it interesting that the one wrestler who's like billed from Louisiana and has voodoo and whatever is probably not going to be at WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans. Yeah, unless that's he's another, in a battle royal or whatever. A, and, and by the way, uh, Adam X. Parsons, a couple other people tweeted, are we going to see a Rockstar Spud King Maxwell rematch now that Rockstar Spud is Drake Maverick on 205 Live? Let's not forget the last Hardy TNA thing did have that match with King Maxwell in his pro debut pinning Rockstar Spud, which was pretty hilarious. But uh, yeah, very, very well handled. That's great. All right, we would be remiss if we did not finish out main event by talking about the return of Brock Lesnar to Raw and his violent attack on Roman Reigns, who was still indefinitely suspended, but kayfabe storyline-wise, trespassed on the show without <laughs> without really anyone stopping him, just jumped into the ring to go face-to-face with Raw General Manager Kurt Angle. BC, did this work from you both in terms of Lesnar's return and the storyline that they told with Reigns? This is the ultimate hero or zero answer because it's equally bol- sides of both. Brock Lesnar returning felt big. He delivered violent in the end, they delivered what they what they meant to accomplish, even though it was a little vanilla in, in terms of how the attack you know happened. The fact that it kept escalating, that he kept coming back for more. Brock was believable. The you know tearing him down off the stretcher, all of that was great. I have nothing bad to say about that, but it wasn't underwritten, if you will, with strong psychology, and that's ultimately why. You just left shaking your head, Adam, and that lack of psychology comes down to who Reigns is and the way they're presenting him. You have to think in their minds, they wrote that to get Reigns, like, sympathetic babyface reactions, right? And to get real heel heat on Lesnar. They got almost nothing from that crowd. And I don't blame the crowd because look at the psychology, Adam. Reigns, who's, they want to be this over babyface, yet they keep 
booking him in situations where he acts like a heel. But the problem is, unlike Steve Austin acting like a heel to overcome a heel authority figure, he's getting in trouble in ways that are justified. Vince McMahon was justified in suspending uh, Roman Reigns for running back through Gorilla during a live show and trying to accost him. And this week, when Roman Reigns puts hands on U.S. Marshals in Dallas, Texas, of all places... They are justified in physically handling him. So yet then we're supposed to have sympathy for him? Like, no wonder why fans are cheering for Brock yet didn't give him the type of booze that if you look at this story and this angle, WWE is trying to frame Brock. They're trying to get you to be mad at him that he doesn't care about WWE. He may go to UFC. Did this week just feel like they screwed up? Like it was a 180? Like what? Like, did you feel that same way? I can't get over the way they booked this. It's two steps forward, one step back with Roman Reigns every single time. And I know people don't like Roman Reigns because they feel like he was pushed too soon and he's he was not ready for prime time in terms of his on-mic ability. And even in the ring, he was a little green, although that's completely fixed. He's incredible in the ring now. It's not his fault. I just – you can't blame the guy at this point. It's the writing. It's the storytelling. It's the booking. It's Vince McMahon, okay, because there's no other explanation – that you have a guy who two weeks in a row and and three weeks ago I thought was great. Two weeks ago I thought, eh, like it was good, but it, it wasn't amazing. This week was a disaster. It just was. There's no other way to put it. You, just like you said, BC, you can't book a guy as a baby face, baby face, and badass face at the same time. Exactly. It doesn't work. You can't and do Reigns Cena had, booking and Austin booking together. It doesn't work. Like it doesn't matter. And you can't try to present Reigns as a badass by having him, just like you said, beat up U.S. Marshals in Dallas. And then you can't have Lesnar be a heel by saving the U.S. Marshals from Roman Reigns beating them <laughs> up. Are you kidding me? Who is thinking about this? Like, this is the main event of WrestleMania. It has to be better thought out than what they're doing. And BC, you and I both have been very praiseworthy of this for the last two weeks. We said they're finally getting it. They're going in the right direction. What the hell was that? I mean, that makes no sense. And I do actually think, and I want your one-word answer on this, I think Brock saved the segment despite our our our, our displeasure in the psychology. I thought he actually still saved the sec- segment. Like it was a slight hero overall when you put the two against each other. Did you agree or disagree? I completely disagree. Total zero for me. Brock Lesnar was acting like Braun Strowman. Like, Braun's been doing this now for months, where he beats someone up, comes back, comes back again because the fans chant for it. They had the fans chanting for Lesnar to beat up Reigns, as we got pointed out in a bonus DM side from Drew at D Garrison 6. Shouldn't WWE be concerned that Reigns is being put on a stretcher and fans are chanting, you deserve it? Yeah, they should yeah, be they because should. <laughs> they're doing. It's their fault. It's WWE's fault that Roman Reigns is not over. It's no longer the fans' fault. Look, I, I, I wish they would have committed to the Cena-Hogan booking for Reigns, let him go over everybody every year after year. We would not like the journey of that so much, but the end product would be a true crossover superstar in the end. But instead, you still have this in-between guy, and it's their fault exactly for all the reasons that we said. And I think it's fair for, for Brock Le- I'm sorry, for Paul Heyman to sort of answer this question now about Reigns. This is Brock Lesnar's Bitch. Roman, you are after this, and WWE made you that way. And by the way, a lot of people talking about Brock coming out with a belly. I think I think he did. I, this wasn't Rip Brock, and it makes you wonder if he is preparing himself for that USADA t- drug testing pool, right? 
It's so funny you said that. I literally wrote a note down here on our rundown to, to mention, I thought Brock looked bad. Out of shape. Now, he was fine. He's still a monster. He's still incredibly strong. He can easily lift Roman Reigns, right? But I did not think he looked in shape. I thought he was huffing and puffing a little bit. And uh, did he have a belly? I mean, I got a belly. He doesn't have my belly, but he, he had a belly. Like, let's just be off? honest. Is he cycling off here? Is this what's happening? Like, let's just be honest the way he looked. And I'm going to say one other thing about Roman Reigns. And I think I DM'd this to you during the show uh, in Slack. Guy came, at, came on set without a vest, right? He was just in his T-shirt and looked wholly unimpressive. No, I disagree with that. He's still, he was still ultra impressive. It's Roman Reigns. What, what was unimpressive about him in a T-shirt? He's ripped. Go watch the segment again. Look I at did. This guy he with looked at, great. Look at this guy without the vest, with a T-shirt, with his arms. Not. I mean, he's the, listen. The guy. The guy's in incredible shape. I'm talking about. I'm talking about Roman Reigns. Like, like I'm so, competing with him in terms of you know how muscular I look. That's not what I'm saying. But when you look, when you think about Roman Reigns, and you think about a guy who's really incredibly strong and well defined, and the vest makes his chest look really big, and then you see him come out in a T-shirt, and he's not really flexing, and his arms are kind of you know loose there. Go look at it and then Uh-oh. tell me I'm wrong after Uh-oh. the fact. You know I was not impressed. Brother, you're crossing the line right now into some real dangerous territory. Are you suggesting <laughs> a, a Johnny Bravo scenario here where with all the news of steroids that, that Roman is unimpressive and cycling off too? Is this where you're going with this? I mean, if this just say it, right? Why don't you just spit it out? What, what are you whether, saying? Whether wrestlers do that stuff or not, it's honestly not my concern. I look at them as entertainers. But you want to talk about me not holding someone in much credibility? Yeah, uh, I won't go much further than that. All right, let, um, me, let me ask you this uh, to close out the, the sort of rain storyline here. We agree they screwed up. I think Brock saved it. But how about this? Nobody came out to save Roman Reigns. Storyline kayfabe babyface Roman Reigns. Where was Seth Rollins? How do you explain that away if you're a writer on this segment? You don't. You can't explain that entire segment. And that's why I was tweeting that it was bad and I, I was uh, DMing you that it was bad. And every like not no one people weren't disagreeing with me necessarily. But you're like, whoa, what are you talking about? Like you're way overboard. No, I'm not. I hated the start of Monday Night Raw. I thought it was terrible. What you the point you make about Seth Rollins, of course. What happened? Where's all the agents? Where's Triple H? Doesn't he want to save the main event? Where's Kurt Angle? Where the hell did he go? By the way, on SmackDown, Daniel Bryan, a guy with you know, concussion problems who just got reinstated is getting beat up. Where are the faces? Where's the new day? Where's everyone on the SmackDown roster trying to stop KO and Sammy? What are they doing? It doesn't make and they had Rollins safe and Balor later in the show. That's it. So what are that, you doing? So when you when they did that, it showed you that like it, I mean, it's a plot hole. It's them executing a plot hole because they're trying to get the heel heat for Lesnar and the sympathy for Reigns, and we told you why that that couldn't happen, but. It just doesn't like that's such a bad plot hole like that. That once again shows Reigns was more of a heel on Monday night than he was a face like it just it, ugh, ugh, let's get out of here. Ugh. You know, what? we had a, we had a really, really good main event and to end it on that such a sour note didn't really do us a solid BC. So that allows us to move on to your favorite part of the show. Hero or zero. Let's start out with the other big moment that happened on Monday Night Raw, aside from Reigns-Lesnar and aside from the ultimate deletion. John Cena once again in the middle of the ring, calling out The Undertaker to absolute silence until BC. That's got to 
Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. It yeah, was Kane. It was. It was Kane. 50-year-old Kane on Monday Night Raw three weeks before WrestleMania BC. Here are zero. All right. I know what you want me to do, people out there. And I got a lot of tweets saying, oh, I can't wait for Wednesday. But I'm not going to do what you think I'm going to do, which <laughs> is going to get all crazy and intense and talk about this 50-year-old mayoral candidate who won't stop entering my TV screen. Is it frustrating? Yes. Is there a justifiable explanation for it? Not really. Did it ruin what was a a really good Cena promo for the second straight week? Yes, it was a rehash of the first week, but it was well executed. Yes, it did. But look, I think this is pretty obvious. It's a zero, but it's a bait and switch by WWE. We're still getting Taker. It's just why run him out right now? Let's stretch that out and allows them to get a John Cena publicized match on next week's raw that'll supposedly get people excited and and, want to come in and see it so i'm so beaten down by it adam that i'm actually not that upset i'm more just disappointed because when finn balor is losing clean to kane i'm gonna get upset but when it's this scenario the brother and the brother destruction choke slamming cena for talking bad about him i know where this is going so i just want it to end i mean it's a zero 50 year old kane three weeks out of wrestlemania John Cena, like no development on the Undertaker front. Let's get a storyline going here. Absolute zero for me. I don't even have much more to say because we've already criticized Kane <laughs> for the last like how, three, four months. How is Kane on the lead up on the road to WrestleMania a part of this? It I mean, doesn't I, make sense. At least it makes sense in the brother of destruction thing. But uh, you don't know, you have to be running for mayor, bro? Aren't you trying to yeah. get into government? Like, concentrate on that. When he Vince, loses, leave this guy alone. When he loses that election, we'll know why. But man, I don't know if any of our listeners live in Knox County, Tennessee. But vote for this guy so he will get off of our screen. Adam, number two, hero or zero, Ronda Rousey appeared on Raw in a pre-taped interview with Kurt Angle. Then came out for a non-televised skirmish with Dana Brooke that played out in front of the live crowd at the same time that viewers at home were watching the ultimate deletion, but it did not make the broadcast. Hero or zero overall to the advancement of Rousey heading into Mania on Raw. So this is tough for me because the question that you asked is a hero. So I loved the segment, the interview with Rousey and Angle. I think that's exactly what they need to do with her. I even said last week, I don't need her to necessarily be in attendance on Raw every week as long as you're featuring something new with her and and getting her involved in the show. So that's a hero. But here's the thing. She was at Raw. And she was in attendance. And she got in the ring. And she was there with Dana Brooke. And she did a suplex that wasn't the most pretty thing, but it worked. Okay? And that clip of Ronda Rousey and Dana Brooke already has 5 million views on YouTube. So you... So you can't tell me that you couldn't have fit that somewhere into the show. Or if you're not going to have that segment be in the show, you couldn't have Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle backstage discussing things. That way fans know she is actually there and she's part of the roster. You have her say a couple words. You have Sasha Banks walk in. They do a stare down. Oh, my God, that's something that they're teasing for the future. And that's all you do? Do that. Show us that she's there. Don't tell us 30 minutes after Raw goes off the air. Oh, by the way, Ronda Rousey was in attendance at Dallas. And here she is in a nonsensical two-minute segment with Dana Brooke. That segment's okay to be dark. That doesn't need to be on TV. But if you have if you have Ronda Rousey in attendance at Raw, she needs to be on TV. Yeah, they so that part's a zero. They didn't keep it dark because of the five million hit potential, like you said. But it almost stepped the whole thing back because it was an awkward suplex. Not only did was there that awkward pause after Dana Brooke tried to punch and she got blocked. 
but it almost looked like Ronda waited for Dana Brooke to jump into her arms before that throw, which saw Dana kind of fall, you know, on her face and neck. It was just bad. But I don't think that killed, though, Adam, how good this promo segment was on Raw. And like you had talked about in the prior weeks, this is what we needed because this was real Ronda. She came off in this segment as half of a badass and the other half as a real person as she cried, talking about her UFC defeats, talked openly about the emotional turmoil after losing and her husband, Travis Brown, helping her, you know, come back from suicide thoughts, which we know from her real life story. I was touched by that. I thought that was great having Angle by her side. And by the way, they filmed that at the WWE Archives warehouse in Norwalk, Connecticut. I could tell by the background that was that was cool to see. But yeah, I'm not sure if that's an excuse for not having her on the show. But at the very least, that got me excited about her because it played to her strengths. It's very simple. If she's going to be there, let us see her. BC, third part of our Hero Zero segment this week. Carmella, we saw her on SmackDown Live once again, botching a Money in the Bank cash-in opportunity to close what was a non-title match between Charlotte and Natalia. Hero Zero for WWE putting Carmella so front and center and giving her this opportunity on Tuesday night. It's a tough to answer that because because she's been so out of the title picture and, and the picture in general, you do need these moments to remind people, especially since there's going to be a payoff for this, probably at Mania, who knows, maybe the night after, we're not really sure. But you do have to sort of remind people who has the case and why it matters. I always like the idea of the pump fake, but I feel like they've already gone to the well, and in this case, it was handled sloppy enough where I actually wasn't sure if that was a failed cash-in or not. And maybe I'm sure that was their intention, but I felt that in a negative way. Like, did they just screw that up? Was the timing off of that? So I think all in all, it was a zero. But the idea of what it was does need to be done because they haven't used her at all. So you do have to remind people this is in play. Yeah, I'm going to give it a hero because I think what this told us and what them showing Carmella a lot more over the last few weeks is she's not going to be cashing in at WrestleMania. Will she pump fake during the match? Potentially. I could also see her and I don't know if this is a legitimate angle that they can pull, pump faking during the Nia Alexa Bliss match or even actually cashing it in during that match. So I just don't really think that they're going to have Carmella cash in on Asuka Flair at WrestleMania, especially if if Asuka wins, which we expect her to win, and then have her loser undefeated streak no. to Carmella. No. I, I just don't see that happening. So because of that, this is a hero because I like that they're making us think about it now and then not going to follow through like Seth Rollins obviously did, you know, a few years ago, which in in one of the greatest WrestleMania moments, maybe of all time, just because of how excited the fans were to see that. So so definitely a hero for me. And like I mentioned last week, I mean, it would be brilliant booking to have James Ellsworth come back and block her from that. It would have been brilliant booking to have Ellsworth come back on this episode to block her, and then we get an intergender Ellsworth versus Carmella match for the rights to the Money in the Bank case because wasn't he the one who actually won it? I, I don't know. I, they don't ask me to book the territory, but I will if they need to. Adam, Hero Zero, number four. Raw GM Kurt Angle has informed Braun Strowman that he must choose a partner for WrestleMania for the Raw tag team title match against The Bar. So I want you to I want to hear from you. Hero Zero that he now has to have a partner and as a bonus, who should that partner be? So initially and all we can do is talk about it as of today the angle the storyline that's going on and what we anticipate to happen leading into wrestlemania for me it's an absolute total zero because i marked out last week and i think you did too a little bit bc over the potential for braun Strowman to go one-on-two against the bar for the tag team titles at wrestlemania i think what we discussed was how cool it would be and how much it would build braun up to have him win a two-man title by himself 
in, in lieu of the Intercontinental title, being in the World Championship picture, being in the stupid Battle Royal. I'm still glad he's in the match. This is a zero forcing him to get a tag team partner because, for that very reason. That does not mean that he would potentially pick a partner that would be bad. What if it's Neville? What if we have Neville doing his finisher off Braun, you know, shoulders? What if it's Alexa Bliss in some weird move-on thing from the Mixed Match no, Challenge, no, no. and she just doesn't even come into the ring, and Braun just wins for her, and she falls in love with him, and so on and so forth? There's a lot of different ways they can go with it to make it successful. It could be Elias, yes. But I think the most successful version of Braun Strowman at WrestleMania is that one-on-two match that they're apparently not doing. So for that reason, it's a zero. I hope it's not Elias because they've been feuding against each other. I hope I it's not Big Show as just a tribute to have two giants there. I hope it's not Big Cass unless he comes out looking so badass and cool. But somebody sent me a DM as we were recording last week, and I didn't get to read it. It was from St. Patrick Fahey. Adam, he had suggested that Chris Jericho should be Shane McMahon's mystery partner at Mania against Zayn and Owens. How about Chris Jericho as a mystery partner for Braun Strowman in this case, especially if they don't announce that partner until WrestleMania and they keep it a secret? Could you imagine the pop of Jericho coming back? And I don't think that's impossible with his free agent status. I know he has a Fozzie concert that night in New Hampshire. If that can be somehow canceled without people knowing, I'm not sure, probably not. But isn't there a way that this could be the big pop because he is a free agent and he likes coming back for big things? You could say that this isn't big enough to get him back, but it could be interesting. You basically just said why it's not going to happen, though. I mean, he has a booked concert that night, so I, I don't see it. Um, but I do think the only way this works for me is if they le- leave it a mystery until WrestleMania. Because just as I said last week, BC, I thought they're, I thought the bar totally might go against the mystery tag team opponent that Kurt Angle would just announce at WrestleMania. And then I suggested, hey, maybe the, it is the Hardy Boys again. And they literally just redo what they did last year, except it's the Woken version, Broken version of the Hardys. So if it's this and it's still a mystery and they announce that partner at WrestleMania and it's, let's just say it's Neville, right? Just as a guy who is big enough where fans know him and would be excited to see him, but is not a monster legend or, or someone like that. If it's Neville, that's a win. The crowd's going to go nuts. It'll be a great match. They'll win the titles. It'll be fun. But if it's just someone like Elias, like I love Elias, you love Elias. That's not enough of a surprise for me to really make this angle work, but still. You know what Two Elias one, one needs? for me is the way to go. Elias doesn't need to be in the Battle Royal. He needs his own guitar-playing segment at Mania, which he'll probably Correct. get, and have Jeff Jarrett come out and hit him with a guitar or some form, of, some combination. Let Jeff Jarrett take a bump, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you need to do with him to continue to push him over. But, yeah, Jericho's only coming back if they offer him a title match, and you know that, right? Like a top-level one because he has leverage right now. So I just wanted to throw that out. I know it's a callback to Night of Champions 2015. Remember when Jericho was the surprise partner for Ambrose and Reigns against the Wyatt family? I'd yeah. like to see that uh, on a bigger level, of course, but not going to happen. All right, BC, let's close out here. Zero. Mark Henry is officially the last member of the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2018. I don't know that there's many ways to go with this, so I'll make it pretty simple. Hero zero. Hero to Mark Henry, who's a good dude, met him many times out, outside. Uh, it goes back to that debate of who's a Hall of Famer and who should be and who shouldn't be. And at first, my knee-jerk reaction of, of the idea of hero to zero to be him being a Hall of Famer would be a zero because off the top of my head, he would fall below this 
imagination, you know, this this threshold line. If if the WWE Hall of Fame was on the sort of wavelength of the Baseball Hall of Fame, you know, if Don Mattingly is going to be below it, then a guy like Mark Mark Henry to me would fall below it. But when they ran that video package this week on Raw, and when I really started taking stock of his career from Olympic gold medalist to big part of a major faction through singles run through, look, this is part of the deal through what he does for them in the community as as a forward face for all the stuff he did. And then you add in the longevity. I have to say, you know what? I think he actually is a Hall of Famer. And I think a big part of him getting over that hill in my mind was that great run against John Cena, which started with the with the fake retirement speech on Raw, June 17th, 2013. It's one of those remember when moments. I mean, come on. I had y'all all fooled y'all a bunch of puppets. I mean, Sam and Jacket, I mean, it's the greatest thing ever. Without that run as a as a main event guy in the World Heavyweight Championship, I'm not sure he would have. But I'm going to say Mark Henry just gets over my imaginary line, Adam. What do you say? I actually think he's an easy in. And when you compare him to someone like the Godfather, who's already in the Hall of Fame, he's a no-doubter above him. He's a two-time world champion. Yes, one was the ECW title. One was the world title. I did think they made a mistake on the end, on the back end of that Henry Cena feud, not giving Henry the title when he fully deserved it based on everything he did in that entire feud, including that segment, which, by the way, is the best moment of his career and something they somehow left off of his montage package when they're inducting him into the Hall of Fame. He better wear that suit at the ceremony. No, it was um, there. They, they showed him. They didn't run, nope. like, audio from it, but they showed him wearing the jacket at least for, like, a second, right? I don't think they did. Are you sure? I'll have to go back and watch it. I'll double-check also. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I didn't think they, saw, they, uh, they had it in there. But this guy's a total Hall of Famer, not just the fact that he won those two titles. Consider that he was obviously part of the Nation of Domination. He had like five character changes over the course of his career. He was the All-American guy. He was in the NOD. He was um, Sexual Chocolate, obviously. And and by the way, Sexual Chocolate was the one that I had almost forgotten until I watched that package. And it was like, oh, he's got more of a case than even me, the hard grizzled guy who sets this Mendoza line. Like even me have to realize that he's done some things. The hand, the hand, come on. <laughs> and, he, and then he's also always the entire time been the world's strongest man. And the Hall of Pain version of his career, the end of his career has been awesome. That match with Big Show that collapsed the ring. I mean, this guy has legitimately done it all in WWE. No, he was never a dominant champion, but that's the only semi-black mark on his career and he was still a two-time champion despite that. And Definite you know, hero for me. Happy to have him as part of the You class. know what Vince always says. There is no racism here in the World Wrestling Federation. We don't allow it. We'll allow it under any circumstances. And, and that, that's the bottom yeah, line. Yeah, well, that's the bottom line, Stone Cold. But in that history, Mark Henry's one of the rare guys who have been given the real push as an African-American to the major title level. So that that is something right there for sure. And that'll wrap up Hero or Zero this week. No reason to slide in them DMs because we've been sliding all show in the reaction of the Daniel Bryan news, but let's put our hands right deep in that feel spot. Adam, my feel spot changed a couple times in the last minutes before we went to record because I caught up and watched the main event of 205 Live this week, the semifinals of that Cruiserweight Championship tournament. Mustafa Ali and Drew Gulak. Holy crap, was that a good match. Holy crap, did they sell out. The one thing you said to me was watch what happens outside the ring. I mean, Ali just putting his body on the line. I loved this match. From the beginning, I never would have pegged Ali as a finalist, as a guy who's going to go to WrestleMania and compete for this title. They have turned him around. Some of it was those real promos they've been doing. He had a nice uh, post-match interview in the ring where he basically, you know, connected with the crowd and said, we won this together. 
I could not have been more fired up because I also love the repackaged Drew Gulak. Let's put that through everybody's skull. Do you see him with the short haircut now? He's been working out more. Everything about this felt big time. I got to give it up to him. Field spot was hit. There was plenty of high spots in that, and I was riveted the whole time. They got to get rid of his in-ring gear. It's just really ugly and doesn't make any sense with his new character. So they got to get rid of that. But outside of that, man, look, in the dark, I feel at home. I, you, you know who I want, Cedric Alexander, to win the Cruiserweight title. I'm Oh, I could let that go for three minutes. By the way, they cut. By the way, they cut that. You, I, I nitpick. You guys always say I nitpick. They cut that intro out of his theme song, which is the best intro to any theme song in WWE. Terrible. But anyway, you know I want Cedric Alexander or wanted Cedric Alexander to win the cruiserweight title. I don't think that's the direction they're going. I think they're going full Mustafa Ali, and deservingly so, man. I mean, who would you pick to win the match at this point? Because for me. Ali has done every single thing that this repackaged 205 Live has asked him to do. They have, but I can't see him winning the title at WrestleMania. I mean, they, they've been calling Cedric Alexander the you know, cruiserweight king in waiting, and I mean, that sums it up. He's the best in-ring worker they have, and I think he's in whatever discussion of top five workers in the company. For me personally, he's got to be in that discussion. I mean, he's so good in the ring, and he can talk enough. You know, He's not great, but he can talk enough. I feel like you have to go to Cedric, but I also feel like, Adam, they dropped the ball. This should be Buddy Murphy's title. He looks that oh, come damn on. impressive. No, I'm going to stand on that mountain and that hill. Mrs. Uh, Alexa Bliss should be winning this title right now. Come on, mister. Oh, I'm, someone's talking to Samson, and it ain't me. That's 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 absurd to not like have a video game guys. It looks like he should be Dude. in Street Fighter. This guy, Buddy Murphy, is a stud. He's ready to go all the way right now. Come on. I'm not disagreeing with any of that, but to see what you've seen from Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali, you literally just called Cedric Alexander the best worker in their country, and you just made Mustafa Ali last minute your field spot for this week, and that match you don't want to see at WrestleMania, you're high. Like, there's no other way to put it. My field spot this week, not forget the young guys. I'm going with an old guy, brother. WWE this week, I think a lot of people missed this, actually aired an old WrestleMania clip featuring Hulk Hogan on WWE TV. And at least to my recollection, they have not done that since they removed him from their, you know, everything on the WWE website, took him out of the Hall of Fame, at least, you know, listed, um, and so on and so forth. And Hulk Hogan this week also was watching Raw Live as he does most weeks and tweeted, and this really hit me in the feel spot, I am deleted after watching Ultimate Deletion. So he's watching the product. Hillbilly Jim's going into the Hall of Fame. They're showing Hulk Hogan moments on TV, BC. Is there any way that we see Hulk Hogan at the Hall of Fame ceremony WrestleMania weekend? I really thought it was going to be last year. Orlando, his, his beat shop right near there. Like, it just made I don't think they'll do it this week, this year because I don't think they have to. There's no need to. But he will eventually. I mean, wouldn't it be great if he opened the show like he did at 30 and screwed up the town all over again? But, no, I, I laugh there because, man, there isn't someone making money in the wrestling business that doesn't involve Hulk trying to attach his name to it, right? Like, he tried to join the Bullet Club with that outrageous sum he offered at uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, he joined NWO. When he smells that that it, the money's going in the other direction, he's going to join. But, yeah, he's got to come back. We need him back. I want him back. Uh, there's that whole other side of it. You know, has he really apologized enough to deserve himself back? I think them changing the name of the ba Moolah Battle Royal doesn't help him. They feel like they're going in the other direction, right? Like, So I, I don't think so, but that is feel spot worthy for sure. I just think you have a guy who's been such a big part of the company and you don't want to bring him, like the, one of the reasons the Moolah thing went over so poorly is they made a huge announcement and they said, hey, look who we're honoring. I think with Hulk Hogan, if he just shows up, and inducts Hillbilly Jim into the Hall of Fame or just shows up at WrestleMania, I don't think you're going to have people 
screaming from the mountaintops because there's going to be so much other stuff going on that it's just like, oh, yeah, there's Hulk Hogan. And I think that's the way you introduce him. You kind of do it under the table, under the radar. You just you integrate him back into things that's slowly. A, you put it, soft launch. That's, how that's you do probably it. the best. Because like, he's, the, he's the biggest superstar in the history's business. The WrestleMania and this company was built on his shoulders legitimately. Literally, that's what happened, brother. So, yeah, I mean, look, anyone our age, anyone has not grown up being introduced to wrestling without Hulk Hogan being a major part of that in some form. It's like it, there hasn't been a, a generation that's been born yet that, that can say that, you know, outside of the, the, the ones who are, com- you know, first experiencing the product now. So it would be hard to spend the rest of our lives, WWE, pretending that he's not there. Let, let's make this happen, please. Because you know, I'll keep playing weird TNA Hogan sound bites if you don't. Are you smoking the same crap he's been smoking? Because if you are, brother, give me some. I want to be delusional too. I want to be like a fruitcake no, out no. here. Fruitcake? That's that <laughs> Where are we going with that? Now tell me who's the fruit booty. Anyway, that'll wrap up another week that was for the In This Corner Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Follow the show at In This Corner CBS Adam. We always leave him with Kenny Omega on the way out. Goodbye and good night. We out.